So I'd like to share with you a teaching that's come to me recently and I'm calling it the the rebirth sequence or the transition sequence and it's about how we prepare for death and in a way all of life is a preparation for death so this is for everyone and I think it's really important at that level but it also is powerful teaching I think a contemplation for those who are literally preparing for death it were it goes through four stages and if you know my teachings and you know the gene keys and you know what's called the activation sequence you'll recognize this the first stage and I should say actually before I launch into it that this is when I say rebirth and death, I talk about these words, they're actually woven into life as well. They're woven into our everyday reality. So there are times where we are asked to call to surrender something of ourselves or something, you know, where we're going through a, a portal, some kind of initiation, some kind of big change. It might be someone else's death, it might be a crisis, it might be many things, you know, that. Uh, we are having to move through a major change in our lives and indeed the whole planet. So it's very applicable to everyone. And the first stage, which relates to our life's work, you know, our, what we're here to do, is about closure, compassionate closure. So you can look at your sequence and you can you know you you can look at your life's work you know and if you get your gene keys profile you'll see that there's a gene key relating to that there's a code an archetype that's specific to you and depending on what the nature of your life's work is you come to a stage where it's time to bring it to an end you know and when our life's work ends then we leave i mean that's that's the that's the nature of 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 what we are here for you know we as soon as we've finished our work we move on and that's the same with many things so compassionate closure is about realize you, you know before you come before you leave before you make the grand transition you really think about others and you think about those you're leaving behind and what you're leaving behind and that you do the things necessary to make it as easy for them as possible. That's bringing things to a compassionate close. Instead of thinking of yourself, which obviously you're going to, you actually, the first thing you do is you think about what am I, you know, what am I leaving behind on the surface? How can I make it as easy as possible for those who I leave behind? And you spend some time with that question. You know, and, and, and this could be in um, anything, the end of a relationship, same thing. You look at, well, how can I bring this to a close 
in a gracious, graceful way that leaves a really good feeling, inside me at least, that I have done my absolute utmost to be of service to the situation and to anyone else who's involved in it, maybe your partner, if it's a close of a relationship. You bring it to a compassionate closure. And that's not always possible. Um, so sometimes because you don't know how the other person is feeling or how, you know, the situation is op is really, you know, there might be a lot of discomfort or pain. <clears throat> so you have to do it for yourself. Really, you have to do it inside yourself sometimes. Um, so, and just make sure that you have done all the external things that you need so that in a way you've kind of, just you've finished with it for your, you know, at the in the best way possible. In the best way possible, as much as you possibly can, thinking of others, thinking of those who are going to be affected. So you've got to think of all the practicalities. Compassionate closure is about practicalities. And uh, that's the first stage of the sequence. And it leads to the next stage and then, and the next stage is legacy, your karmic legacy. In the Gene Keys, in the profile, it relates to what's called your radiance, which is rather lovely because in a way, your karmic legacy is what radiates out behind you after you've gone. <laughs> think about that. You know, think about these things like, think about even with your life's work, you know, even if you've had a life where you haven't really lived that because of whatever reason, it's been a life of struggle and you feel like you haven't done what you really could have done, then at the very end, bring it to a, to a, a gracious close because you can do so much at the end. You can actually, it's why the ancients say that the way we die can actually propel us forward in evolution even if we've had a very difficult life even if we've had a you know a kind of a selfish life let's say you know that people can make huge advances spiritually at the end because there's so much potential for transformation at the end so think about that and your karmic legacy is how you end is how you bring things to a close so if you can do it all on the surface and in a compassionate way, that's wonderful. But then there's also what you've left behind, you know, that the real karmic legacy is, you know, our radiance is like everything we've ever said, everything we've ever done, and our whole entire presence. So your legacy is not only like the work you might leave behind or some nice things, or maybe you were like me, you're a writer, you left a good book or two. You know, it's really the joy that you have created in others, in their hearts, through the words that you've spoken, through all the good things you've done in your life. You know, and even though we might look back and go, well, I could have done a lot more good things. You know, your karmic legacy is is like, how how much goodness can I leave behind me at the end? You know, how many things can I do? What can I... You know, it's not just what can I give away on the surface. It's like, 
you know, what's the most I can really give of my spirit at the end? You know, it might be simple as like asking someone for forgiveness or forgiving someone for something they did. And that doesn't even have to be done formally. It can be done in your heart because the radiance is something that is magical. And this pathway is the pathway of magic. You know, the pathway of magic is like you can't see your karmic legacy. You know, you might get a sense of it at your own funeral, you know, because you will hear what people say and you will feel the feeling inside people's hearts as they remember you. But essentially, your karmic legacy is something magical. As I said, it's created out of all the good words, good deeds and things you've said and done throughout your life. And so it's an emanation that spreads throughout the cosmos, throughout the universe. You know, every act we, we make, it has a frequency embedded in it. Every word and tone we use has a frequency embedded in it. And they, ex and they live eternally. Our acts live in eternity. It's quite something to consider, you know. What is your karmic legacy? You know, and, and even if you're young and you're in the beginning of your life, really consider this. Like you are going to, you can build an incredible radiant field, you know, through your life, through how you live, through how you speak, through how you think, you know, the thoughts you have, you know, are they kind? Are they forgiving? Are they, you know, are you able to yield to life's initiations or are you stubborn and, you know, like that? You know, will you grow? Will you learn? How much can you grow and learn and soften and be kind? You know, how much benevolence can you emanate during the course of one life? <clears throat> how much benevolence can you emanate during the course of one hour? You know, so really consider every act as a sacred act. That is the foundation of the magical universe. Every act is a sacred act. It, it, it lives in eternity. Every word is a sacred word. It vibrates in eternity. This is the whole nature of karma, you know, the karma that we leave behind, karmic legacy. That's the second stage of the sequence. The third stage, you know, after the karma has begun to emanate out into the cosmos and we've placed our crowning glory at the end whatever it is uh, the act or the words that we've spoken or the things we've left behind then becomes the third stage is the dissolution of the ego you know and uh, this is what happens particularly when you know it's it's what happens particularly as we approach death is it begins to happen automatically we, our identity begins to detach from the vehicle that it's housed in, you know, our, our attachment to the form. And it happens automatically. And, uh, you know, the same way we come in through nine-month sequence, we leave through a nine-month sequence, whether we're aware of that or not. So we leave, you know, that's quite a mystery. Um <clears throat> So the, the detaching of the ego, 
the dissolution of the ego relates to our evolution. And uh, this is a very magical, uh, extraordinary thing because we have to surrender. So this is the pathway of surrender. And, you know, many people can fight. It's like, uh, you know, every time there's a major transition in our lives, an initiation of some form, what we're really called upon is to sacrifice the, you know, to surrender the ego, to surrender our individual viewpoint, our, our attachment to the outcome, to how we want it to look like, and just yield to a force that is greater than us, of which we are also a part. And so this is the, the ending in a way, the final, it's not the ending of our evolution, but it's the shifting of our evolution to another plane. So it's the closure of our, you know, of our external physical evolution in this life. You know, so the dis dis dissolution of the ego is a magical event. And any transition can bring this. You know, you will be called upon to surrender your position in some way and allow your ego to dissolve. And so that can be a little bit, or it can be right at the end where you dissolve, the whole thing dissolves, all of it. The false identity that believes it's separate and believes it is this body or this name, the separate being. This is a process that everyone who's dying at some level goes through because it's the process that's engaged in our brain and in our being as we're dying. So it's a, it's a process that involves profound surrender, profound surrender. But also think about it in, in any transition that you're moving through in your life. You know, it's the same grain of truth. You're invited to surrender some deep aspect of your identification to something. You, as you let go, you find more and more freedom. And this is journey. This is a journey. Surrender is a journey in layers. And it hurts, especially at the beginning, it hurts. But then as we deepen our surrender and our ego lets go, it becomes so sweet. It becomes almost blissful, you know, as we surrender. And we surrender into the final stage fourth stage and the fourth stage is the stage that brings us meaning this is the pathway of meaning and it's the final meaning of our lives in a way the deeper meaning the purpose of our lives and it's just it's what we're surrendering into we're surrendering into the arms of the beloved or the arms of the mother, the mother's embrace. You know, the mother is the divine emptiness at the heart of all things, the void, but it's not the empty void. It's the, the loving void. It's the mother's embrace. You know, the, we become one with the mother's embrace. You know, so we have to surrender everything and just drop and fall into the arms of that mystery at the core of life. Everyone who's dying, that's where they go. 
we fall into this aching, beautiful, endless, eternal mystery. Some call it God, the divine, the divine mother. And it's, you know, it's, it, I call it the divine mother here because it's the essence of tenderness and love. That's what we feel. That's what we experience. That's what we know and remember as we surrender and dissolve. That's what meets us. It's the mother's embrace. It's such a mystery, such a fathomless mystery. As we sacrifice, we make the final sacrifice. And in giving up our identity, we receive all the gifts. You know, we, we become one with the great one, the, 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 you know, the, the self, the true self. You know, all the names that pe the mystics have given to that. And this is the final letting go into the mother. And obviously, at some other level, you know, whether you subscribe to this view or not, it is also a recycling and a renewal. Every, every death is a rebirth. This is why I call this the rebirth sequence. So we're either reborn in another dimension, an eternal dimension, or we're reborn here again on this planet Gaia. And we are, so we have a trajectory that we follow and our rebirth brings us literally into the arms and the womb of another mother. You know, however long that sequence takes, a bardo sequence, they call it. You know, the mysteries, this is like a lot of letting go in this sequence. And, uh, and the stages are very clear, each step. And then eventually we come into another womb. And we're reborn in another life, you know. But we carry with us this same, you know, legacy. You know, what we left in one life, the reverberations of it imprint the next life you know and that's a that's an amazing beautiful teaching and if we've completed entirely which is a, a rare thing on this plane then when we surrender and the ego dissolves we surrender into a higher dimension you know that's a, an even greater mystery you know because there comes a time when our business even here is finished and we enter into a wider life, wider than we can possibly imagine or put into words. So these are beautiful things to consider. And obviously, one of the things that we are going to experience in this process is letting go of layers of fear. And that's what this sequence is here to do. To We consider it now and we realize that it's actually... Even as we are growing and evolving, we're also dying. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we are moving towards death all the time. And this is not a negative thing. Like we are, we are being asked to surrender every day deeper and deeper into the mystery of life. So this sequence, which is in a way a reverse sequence, of the one I call activation, which is the one that evol evolving you know, this is an involving sequence because it involves us at the deepest level 
in creation as we learn to surrender more and more deeply to all that is and to the perfection of the sequence itself. You know, the tr to trust in every stage of our life journey. You know, even the very final stages. And these are things that we can really take deeply into contemplation and, and consider. You know, if you're near the end of your life and you're considering these things, then really consider what your legacy is and how to close things, you know, with grace so that you can make this beautiful journey, dropping layer of, layers of fear and desire and identification as you surrender into the arms of the mother. The whole teaching of this key and part of this is rooted in um, some of the old human design knowledge, which is that in the human design teaching, the 19th gene key represents, and in our body therefore, in the body, human design body graph, it represents um, this deep spiritual need worship, to worship something beyond ourselves. And that's what's changing. That's what's changing in our DNA. This is the time that we're, you know, this is the time of the great change, the mutation. And in this 19th gene key, in all humans, this is changing. And because it's changing in humans, it's changing at all levels throughout creation because you can't have one isolated change or mutation. It doesn't exist because everything in the cosmos is interconnected, everything. So a great change, really it means a great change. It means a, throughout the chain of the cosmos. You know, so as humans are changing, we are just one small part of the change. So the shift is from worship to embodiment. And this is why our, you know, our old religions, our tribal religions, you know, of based on worship are declining, are falling away. And this new paradigm, spiritual paradigm is emerging, all because of this change in this 19th gene.
temperature and temperament and how again with language there's very little things that they can hide with language if you know it if you really actually know the language you're speaking if you know that there is old English high English yay English multiple forms of English like that the priest class and others were speaking that are different if you can get to the basis of the language as it developed then you can't be fooled by any wording and you can see the connectivity of of all words and all language so when it comes to temperature and temperament they're basically one and the same anybody that has hot tempered has an, a chemical imbalance or elemental elemental imbalance fire they have an imbalance of fire if they have an uncontrollable rage or if they're just flipping switches and going nuts or if they're too reserved then you're too wet you know you're too cold you're too frigid you know so it really comes your temperament comes down to it has a lot to do with chemical balance and what your chemical state is that determines a lot of your thoughts if not all your thoughts that determines your your temper your outlook on life your chemical state has so much to do with that so if you can cleanse and get into a, a better a more righteous chemical state then your temperament will, will just follow and like anybody eating garbage it's just like an oven everything is is designed after the human body the human body heats up to break things down that's why you get fevers that's why you, you know people eating hot food and all this garbage and stuff you you heat up you get all hot and all that or in the summer you get irritated because this you know the alcohol the starch is turning into alcohol in your body and, you, and your your thoughts are being undermined by the starch and and the chemical imbalances so you're more likely to do things that you wouldn't do like you always will do one alcohol or starch because they're one and the same so when it comes down to temperament and temperature and why people are the way they are, in a lot of cases, it, it has to do with chemical imbalances and elemental imbalances. They really just, they just have uh, an excess or a deficiency, or just an imbalance in elements, and they're just, it, it just creating temperature swings, which controls the temperament. So you know, if you have an ill-tempered person, hot-tempered person, you know, they have a lot of fire or very little water, they need more water, they need more of that, you know. So it, it really comes down to, you know, just, just keeping balance, man, staying whole, and, you know, just knowing that you're a god or a goddess, whatever, what have you, you know. We all gods and goddesses, male, female, we all, we all in human vehicles. So, well, right now on this planet. And, like, every year, man, life is lovely. So, either way, man, I love you guys, and, um, you know, I, I just uh, I can feel the, the the awareness and the consciousness, the level of it, 
increasing on a daily basis just as a whole I can just feel it in my body like I just feel it like you know things are things are changing I know you know it might seem like it's gonna get worse before it gets better but it's gonna get better man it's about to be a golden age baby it's a golden age man either way and if it's not you know if, if even if leaders get chopped down or whatever happens it's still gonna be a golden age man know it know it in yourself know it in your body that you know you control you control this thing you are a creator you are an extension of the creator so I love you guys I love you God I love you goddesses especially you goddesses so nah. alright y'all who founded this place her belief was if there's a chance give everybody a chance so when she came in it was like okay she's this wing was broken in one plot spot and this was broken in four and one of them was right up here which is right here but on the other wing and so we wanted to give her a chance to live to see you know sometimes they make it sometimes they don't I mean the breaks that she had were pretty serious and there is probably you know 99% chance she wasn't gonna be able to be released and we knew that, but you got to give him a chance. So that's what we did with her. We gave her a chance. Nice, but they don't understand the. We communicate inside, don't we? Isn't it right, big girl? Yes. But uh, her situation, she was in pretty dire need at that point. I mean. A lot of times we can check right here, it's called the keel, their chest bone right here, and it's, it comes to a point, and it's like right here, and it goes this way. Now, if it's really, really sharp, you know that bird's emaciated. I mean, you, you once you get used to feeling it, and uh -huh. you know what, like I feel hers, and it's like it's supposed to be. Right. And if you feel one of a bird that's really skinny and that's emaciated, you go, oh, this bird's in bad trouble. Because eventually, when they get down to a certain weight, the body starts consuming itself. Right. And once that starts, it's almost impossible to reverse, to make it stop. So, you know, if an eagle comes in weighing, you know, six or seven pounds, maybe say like six, six and a half, it's, it's in big trouble. And gave him shelter and somewhere
no separation, 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 separation. Death is the destination we all share. No one has ever escaped it. And that is as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention of life. It's life's change agent. It clears out the old to make way for the new. Right now, the new is you. But someday, not too long from now, you will gradually become the old and be cleared away. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Stay hungry, stay foolish. It was their farewell message as they said... This deep spiritual need to worship, to worship something beyond ourselves. And that's what's changing. That's what's changing in our DNA. This is the time that we're, you know, this is the time of the great change, the mutation. And in this 19th gene key, in all humans, this is changing. And because it's changing in humans, it's changing at all levels throughout creation because you can't have one isolated change or mutation. It doesn't exist because everything in the cosmos is interconnected, everything. So a great change, really, it means a great change. It means a, throughout the chain of the cosmos. You know, So as humans are changing, we are just one small part of the change so the shift is from worship to embodiment and this is why our you know our old religions our tribal religions you know uh, of based on worship 
are declining, are falling away. And this new paradigm, spiritual paradigm is emerging, all because of this change in this 19th gene key. And the gift here is the gift of sensitivity, and it is this sensitivity to the transdimensional realities. So as we awaken as a species, then we awaken to all these different dimensions and layers, you know, as, as our new awareness centers, you know, the, the belly especially, as the solar plexus opens up, as it truly opens up our potential as a species to live a, a cosmic di- interdimensional life. You know, because of the shift in our DNA, the shift of our functioning, of our awareness. So this has all kinds of implications. And one of the most beautiful ones, I think, is that because, in a way, our religions began here in this gene key, you know, because they began here, the ancient path of the shamans, you know, the first human religions began in, well, they say in the, in the Tungus people, for example, in Siberia. You know, they say that the first primal religions began there. Um, we don't know. But it's this ancient shamanic way. You know, and the, shim- the shamanic ways have been kept alive through our indigenous peoples. And we have always looked, you know, in the modern age, we tend to look upon the indigenous belief systems as less evolved intellectually than ours you know because of the way they use magical thinking so they think about you know the way that the indigenous people tend to see life in the universe is through a magical lens you know and we see that as superstitious you know our projection on them is that they have all these superstitions and these rituals and things that we don't you know and we've grown and evolved beyond that that's how we see it and yet what i find beautiful is that now we get to integrate that those gifts we get to honor our ancestors and our indigenous people by integrating their view into the modern holistic transcendent view you know so we don't leave it behind i mean i'm thinking of you know um, ken you might know ken wilber's system of integral theory you know and, and what you see is that down at the sort of lower levels of um, primal religion are uh, this magical thinking and superstition and stuff but then as you get to the top near the top to these teal and turquoise colors and stuff which represent the h- higher le- ways of viewing higher you know interdimensional mind it's it's um transcend and include it includes so this is the beautiful thing is that we get to include this way of looking at the cosmos that is rooted in the earth, in our ancestors and in the indigenous tribes, even today, we get to integrate that into our new spiritual paradigm. We don't leave it behind and move on to some other view. We integrate it. We transcend and include. And this is so powerful. The people that have done this quite well are the Tibetans, actually. Because the Tibetans... They integrated their Bon tradition, which is a shamanic tradition, into their Buddhist tradition. And so they, they end up with a very colourful, um, slightly crazy in a way, tantric Buddhism, version of Buddhism. 
that's very alive with the it's filled with all these uh, deities and uh, rituals and some of them are quite obscure and you know they're very colorful but in the new view we get to integrate all worldviews not just the buddhist but all you know so that includes these ancient traditions and that's where the 19th gene key comes really this transition is really important i call it the art of magical thinking because it's to look at the universe through magical eyes and this is like this can be easily misunderstood because there's a very there's a distinct difference between fantasy and delusion and magical thinking magical thinking is to be able to use the right brain to be able to use the creative imagination but to use also the intuition at the same time to guide us you know so we think about things we allow ourselves to think about things like a child thinks about things but from within an objective view so we never lose we never identify you know that was the difference between you know the old superstitions is that you, in the superstitious in, as it was in the old day you identified with the object you know so you the the, ma the magical universe you identified with it absolutely and therefore you became in a way entangled with it but with the new view you don't identify with it you use the creative imagination in a magical way but you integrate that into this higher aspect knowing that you're none of it you know, knowing, you know, so you, we draw on the Eastern tradition of the, you know, the unity consciousness, the non-dual perspectives, for example. But we bring in this other component of the right brain, you know, of the magical universe where we can play. We're more playful. You know, this is a more playful approach. A, it, it, it really absorbs the creative impulse. You know, some of those very pure non-dual traditions they don't really absorb the creative impulse. They're not creative. You know, they don't, they don't, you know, because they come from the Eastern mindset. You know, they're, they're very pure in that sense. But when you bring in the Western mind as well, you have this kind of amazing confluence of all the archetypes um, that get built into that. So you end up with a completely different spirituality, a rich spirituality that, you know, is playful. So that's what this 19th gene key, I'll give you some examples, right? When you, you know, human beings are just one chain of evolution. We have many parallel evolutions. Now, one of them is uh, the Davic evolution, which I've mentioned already. The Davic evolution is a subtle layers of life force that surrounds all the living creatures and beings on our planet right so the plants and the minerals and the animals and the birds and the insects and all those that, that that's the that is the inner world of the shaman you know is to interact with all these things the crystals the stones the elements of the you know the stars everything you know for that that is the playground of the shaman you know the underworld going into the underworld down into the psychotropic realm and then pulling in insights and then weaving it all together you know, and bringing magic alive, you know, true magic, where the magic is the is to be able to use the art of correspondences and to be able to see what everything corresponds to and therefore to gain great illumination through that as a spiritual path. So the 19th really brings this shamanic path alive 
and and but it also propel the shift in it propels us into the into a new kind of spirituality so the example is um you know if you take the you know the five elements you have you know earth water air uh fire and which one is earth water air fire and ether right ether is the fifth element the ether the ether is the transcendent one and the etheric plane is the plane in which many of these other devic dimensions live on so take like um elves right the notion of elves the el you know from like from tolkien from the lord of the rings right you really consider like the people that wrote those books you know there are entire languages that people have discovered you know or 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 created out of the imagination and we believe that we've created those you know we actually believe you know and, and those wonderful fantasy books that people have read we believe that we've created those out of our imagination and that's one way of looking at it another way of looking at it is that they already existed you know that actually those fantasy novels that have been written or those fantasy books like the lord of the rings and all those names and things and those languages those you know they actually they are the history of the elf realm <laughs> and we just someone has just had that cross species gate that's enabled them maybe you know that gene key that 19 that's just enabled them to transcribe those things thinking that that's imagination and it is but what if it's actually real you know what if fantasy is real is reality you know this is where fantasy and reality come together that's magical thinking the art of magical thinking you see what i mean like it's very subtle because you mustn't get lost in identification but what you what you realize is like take the elf world you know i can't believe i'm talking about the elf world but like there is a parallel evolution to us and it lives on a subtle dimension we can't see it you know but it's parallel to the human we can't see them not generally some people can and there are times when there's crossovers you know this is dictated particularly you know by the moon cycles you know the moon as it waxes and wanes opens and closes portals between the realms particularly between the human and the deva realms always has done this is why um magic and witchcraft and folklore and wicca and all those things you know they use use the knowledge the secret knowledge to make the crossing over points to under to bring information across they can be used for all kinds of you know highly dodgy ways and subverted you know in all kinds of ways <clears throat> but essentially there is there are parallel evolutions and they operate they exist in different time realms from us different time realms right so time is key like so those elf beings that we call elves we we kind of see them as elves and we humanize them as elves right they are you know they exist in a different time than us right and their version of time is different from ours so the elf realm the deva realm of nature spirits for example of those elemental be- beings for them they are relatively immortal 
you know, so they have a different time. You know, human beings, our time span is like, our lifespan is of 100 years or so. It's like incredibly quick. But in that realm, lives are incredibly long compared to ours. But they, you know, because, so that, yeah, do you see what I mean? I'm playing in this realm. So you have these legends of elves falling in love with humans and humans falling in love with elves, right? And crossing over. And then this great longing because the human lifespan is so short and the elf one is so long. So you have great sadness as well and longing woven between our realms. And all these stories emerge and these myths and fables emerge because of these crossing over points. And sometimes you get elves or elvic beings or davic beings that, that incarnate half incarnate into humans so you get humans who are half of them is literally in that other world and half of them is in this world you know and, and you get all these combinations it's a very rich playground right and this is magical thinking what i'm doing here is magical thinking right it's opening up possibilities you know boundless possibilities for understanding subtle realms. This is what the 19th Gene Key does. It understands all the subtle realms, but you have to think in a different way. You have to open up into, into the realm of fantasy, but you have to realize it's not necessarily fantasy, that fantasy and reality are very interconnected in a way that we cannot yet encompass. In the wider interdimensional mind, there's no original thought. Everything already exists, everything. You know, you know, our imagination does not invent anything. <laughs> it already exists. Whatever we think we've invented, it already exists in some other form. But we just bring it down into a human realm, you know, and, and the, the level of our genius is how open we are to those things, you know, to that causal plane, you know, to these subtle dimensions. So, you know, particularly when I launch in the coming years this new system the dream arc um, which opens up this whole realm of magical thinking so that we can begin to penetrate and pierce these other realms using the power of our creative imagination and bring it alive and bring information across the threshold of these parallel evolutions you know we can open up to the old deities and the old gods and the old names and the old places and it's all about the earth and Gaia because it's it, everything you know so much in this it's like I don't know when to stop like there are places where these portals open and close these these mystical places ancestral places in the earth and there are times as well when they open because it's all about time and place where the memory is encoded. It's encoded in the stones. It's encoded in place, in sanctuary. You know, there are memories held in certain places in the earth, you know, and they open at certain times. And if we are thinking magically, we can be drawn to those places at those times and we can unlock some of those secrets and we can become, you know, non-dual shamans, really. Like, the ultimate spiritual journey is to bring together all these different spiritual modalities and paths. So the purity of the non-dual perspective of, this, of the deep Eastern, you know, 
paths of Buddhism, you know, of of uh, Advaita, those incredible pure paths. And we get to bring in the wealth of the creative imagination. We bring that in. And the two together, they create a new paradigm, a new spiritual realm, you know, which is infinite and in, in terms of its adventures. And this is why, you know, I've been in my incarnation series, in my rebirth series, in my you know, reincarnation series, I've been like suggesting that we don't fall for this, you know, almost this, there's a spiritual mistake, you know, there's this error where the incarnation is an error that we've fallen into, and we have to escape. You know, we have to escape the Maya and the illusion, but actually we don't have to escape it. We have to play in it. We have to become awake, and then we get to play in it. You know, becoming awake and then leaving it for some higher dimension, <laughs> that's not the future path. The future path is to play in it, to explore the realms. That's why we're here, to explore. We are, we are journey journeyers. We are immortal, eternal voyagers of consciousness. Each soul, each separate soul within the panoply of multiple souls, you know, and, and we're all one, but we're also creators. You know, we're gods and goddesses. And this is where magical thinking, like from the ancestors, from our indigenous people, suddenly comes alive again within this new framework. And then we can honor them instead of pushing them aside as like, those were the old ways. No, those old ways are so powerful, but they have to be brought forwards now, you know, and understood and woven into a new paradigm, you know. This is the magic of the 19th gene key. You know, in the city of sacrifices, we have to let go of all the old ways and the new ways and then bring the whole lot into a new world, a new way of being, where freedom is at the core. It's the freedom to explore. It's the freedom not to have all these, this is how it's got to be spiritually. You know, you've got to keep things pure. You know, you've got to have one lineage only and stay with your lineage, which I respect. And the new way is all lineages, is understanding that all lineages have one source. And like a rainbow, you know, of the rainbow of colors of all the lineages and seeing where they cross-connect and cross-pollinate. This is our playground to explore that and not to get lost in it. That's going to be the key. That's why we have to do our groundwork. That's why in Gene Keys... I have laid out all the groundwork. You have to deal with your emotional wound. You have to deal with your, you know, your, your negative thinking, your self-worth issues, all this stuff with the wound and suffering. You have to deal with it all, right? And then you're ready to play in this wider field. And then you're ready, but you can't do it otherwise. That's why in the order of how the Gene Keys is, coming about you know these higher realms these magical realms come later after we've done the wound work the shadow work you know because there's a higher path and you know Gaia you know the ring of Gaia this codon ring that contains the 19th gene key 
Gaia contains all the secrets, you know, all the hidden secrets. And they're all cracking. You know, they're all opening now. But believe me, you need to do the groundwork before you move, you can move to the higher level so that you don't get fixated on the magical thinking. You know, this is my caution as well, because I've opened up this box, you know, this chest of marvels. And there are many people in the sort of new age that get lost down these corridors of fantasy. And if you haven't done your groundwork in your body, in your health, you know, in your relationships, then you have no business being in these magical realms. No business. And you will just get lost. And you won't unlock the true power. You know, you won't be able to flourish. Your health will always forestall you. You'll find that the wealth and the prosperity doesn't come to you because you haven't done the groundwork. So make sure you do your groundwork. And in Gene Keys, this means do the golden path. Come and voyage into the golden path. In there are all the teachings that you need in order to clear the way in a, so that this magical thinking can be put to use. So the caution is not to be tempted too soon to go into these realms. But also the invitation is to explore them and play with them. So I leave that with you for the moment. Just the things to contemplate about this magical 19th gene key and how it is going, how it is changing us and how it will open up new pathways and a whole new spirituality um, that is filled with adventure and boundless light and possibility. And once again, humanity gets to be a child, an innocent child running through the meadows of life, bounding and exploring and opening up beautiful chests full of treasure and uh, the, the imagination, the creative imagination holds so it's a it's a gleeful beautiful time that is coming our way and make sure you do your groundwork first jimmy page has a pretty good sense of humor so he started working with lead balloon he dropped the a because he was worried that people would think it would read like lead balloon and he thought you know balloon kind of sounded lame so he went for the more sophisticated zeppelin Led Zeppelin, heavy and light, just like the band. Led Zeppelin took flight and ushered in a whole new era. Of <laughs>